You're listening to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. This week, the most celebrated episode in recent memory, Season 3, Episode 12, Clear, which reunites us with the lost and thought and long-thought-dead Morgan. We're joined by special guest Zach Handlin of the AV Club. It's just a uniform. You're listening to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. My name is Simon Howell. I'm joined, as ever, by Mr. Ricky D. Hola. TV editor, Ms. Kate Kulzik. Hey, guys. And freelance writer, AV Club contributor, and weekly writer of their Walking Dead recap slash reviews, Mr. Zach Handlin. Hello. How's everybody doing? After that episode, I'm doing pretty good. Wow, Kate's going to be positive. I'm I doing... know. This is, it feels very strange. I'm doing good. Thank you, Zach, for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. We're going to try to get on guests on a weekly basis, but it's kind of hard because we do record Monday afternoons, and most people have nine-to-five jobs, but not us. Uh, Zach's actually <laughs> off today, so we were lucky enough to get him on the show. Um, as per usual, we have to remind our listeners that we, of course, spoiled the episode. We will review the episode Clear, which is the 12th episode in the third season. Also, be, be prepared for critical analysis. Uh, we do not recap the show. We review the show. Yeah, so don't get upset in, when that happens, which I'm sure we're going to hear about in a minute. But And also uh, keep in mind that any speculation on the show is not because we've read ahead in the comic and we're going to spoil potential future events. It's all just that speculation, and that's all. Right. Now, I believe, Kate, you have a few iTunes reviews to read out. Yeah, we got uh, we asked for last week for people to go to iTunes and, and review us, and a bunch of you guys did, and we really appreciate it. It's great. Uh, we heard we got a four star from Voltafan. Um, thank you for that. We got a two star from Lots of Dollar Signs colon P smiley face thing. I'm not quite exactly sure how to describe it, but it was a, a actually rather critical review, but it was very well constructed and written, and we really appreciate that. If you don't have to love our show for us to want to hear back from you guys, so thank you for putting, you know, as opposed to some of the more critical reviews for us tend to be I don't like that you don't you didn't like the show. This was not that. This was a, you know, well you know, well reasoned and thought out and, and very thoughtful response. So thank you for that as well. Also, we heard from, um, from James and Russell and, uh, Deltonio, uh, and they all gave us five stars reviews. We very much, uh, appreciate that. It really has just this past week has really helped our iTunes, uh, reviews and, and ratings, but we would love to get some more. So thank you very much for everybody who, who wrote in and, uh, even just like on, on Facebook and, and, uh, 
as well. But yeah, ratings and reviews, iTunes, we very much appreciate. It. We would love to get some more. Yes, we yes. are. We are an independently run and owned website started by a bunch of guys that came out of film school. And so we can use all the support that we can get. And also do visit our website, www.soundinsight.org. Every month we have a theme, and the theme for the month of March is David Lynch. And we also have a second theme for TV in which our writers are writing about their favorite TV shows. And I will be reviewing all of Twin Peaks throughout the month of March. So I'm really excited. Excellent. So to get back to The Walking Dead more specifically, uh, the episode is called Clear, written by notably Scott M. Gimple, who is going to be the showrunner next season. Uh, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. But I know, Rick, I think it was as recently as last week, you were saying that you were hoping that we were going to see Morgan again. Well, actually, last week I said I was hoping we would see Morgan again. And I also said I was hoping for some sort of like standalone episode, sort of um, reminiscent of eight, 18 Miles Out. And that is exactly what we got last night, which is why I'm so happy because I loved, 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 loved this episode. I think this is one of the best episodes since the pilot. In my opinion, the pilot is still the very best episode of the Walking Dead series. But you also got to remember that Scott M. Gimple was co-writer of 18 Miles Out. Now, 18 Miles Out was the episode in which Rick, Glenn, and Shane leave the farm to go settle the Randall situation. And so that almost the entirety of that episode took Rick away from the majority of the group, as does this episode clear. So we know Scott M. Gimple does a fantastic job in scripting these I guess you can call them sort of standalone episodes. I'm not really sure what the terminology would be, but uh, it does give me hope for the future of the show because, like I said, there ha you know Glenn Mazzara has left the show. He's taking over. A lot of people are worried, but he has been involved with the show since the very beginning. So I think that this was a great episode, and it gives me a lot of hope for the future of the show. All right, Zach, you're our guest of honor today. So did, would you agree with that analysis? I I'd agree with half of it. Um, I thought it was a terrific episode. Um, I, I was I was really impressed, um, and I agree that it, it's just a, a great standalone. I think that's a. I mean, it's it fits into the regular continuity of the series, but it um it also and it, it does move the plot the plot forward slightly, but it's much more interested in, in sort of establishing character relationships and kind of restating the, the the show's themes and the seasons the seasons focus, which is great because we've kind of gotten lost in the trees. Um, in terms of the long, longer view, well, I think it's, it does give me hope that, that Gimple's going to be the showrunner. It, there's a difference between showrunning and, and writing, which I think Frank Darabont kind of demonstrated when he had no idea what to do for much of the first part of the, the, the first season and a lot of the second season. Um, and there's also kind of problematic in the fact that the, one of the reasons this was such a good episode is that it was a very focused, very small scale episode. And there's no indication that the show can do those regularly. Uh, it doesn't indicate that the show's more bigger, more sprawling episodes, which have the whole cast. Because we know, for example, I think where everybody's pretty sure that at some point, most likely at the end of the season, there's going to be a big confrontation between the governor's people and, and Rick's people. And that's probably going to be great. But there's always going to be those, those episodes in between where we have to set up who's going where and people just keep bouncing back and forth. And it's been such a problem in this season, which has been has handled the big stuff pretty well, but still gets stuck in those moments where you have people just sort of hanging out, talking, and then going, well, I'm going to go step over here for a second because maybe that'll create some drama. It, <laughs> it, 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 it fails. It, again, it doesn't really give us these characters as, I don't know, I, I feel like it, the show is really still struggling to, um, to be consistent. And I think this episode, as great as it is, one of the reasons it is so great is because it's such a step aside from what we normally get. And that 
doesn't speak so well to the future. I'm still optimistic, and I still would love for this show to pick up. I still think there's more than enough to keep watching, but it, I, I think it's a little more problematic than just making it like, oh, okay, well, everything's going to be good now. Can I ask a quick question before Simon and Kate cut in? Because uh, it follows up on what Zach has to say. Regarding what the role of a showrunner is, right? So now, Scott M. Gimple is going to be the showrunner for season four, and he is also a writer, and they have a team of writers. But doesn't the showrunner basically decide where the show's heading and what sort of episodes they want to script? Because from my understanding, he wants to take the show in a different direction that's, that won't pander to the masses. And that's not... From my understanding, I could be wrong what Glenn Mazzaro wanted to do. So I actually read this whole article about how they feel that with Scott M. Gimple's direction, the ratings will actually decrease because it's not what the mass like majority of people would want to see. Like the same people that go see, say, a mainstream movie like Transformers 3. And he wants to focus on more episodes like this, which are very heavy on character development. So that's why, for me, it gave me hope for the future. But I'm not sure how much control he has overall. The the well the little bit we've heard was that uh, AMC and uh, and and also maybe like Robert Kirkman, but specifically AMC and uh, Glenn Mazzara had very different ideas of where the next season should go, and I can't imagine AMC was saying make it less wide appealing. So, therefore, that what you're saying doesn't make any sense to me, um, uh, Ricky. But it could be true. <laughs> I I also heard that that Kirkman had there were some ego issues that Kirkman wasn't happy with Mazzara's kind of moving away from some of the comic book stuff, which I think would actually be much better for the show. That that also has me worried. I don't think Kirkman should have that much control over the series. I'm not a big Kirkman fan, so I should probably say that out loud. But, but you know, there, are, there have been a few episodes where they completely derailed from a comic book, and they were some of the worst episodes ever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying that I think for a long-running series, you can't, because the comic book is just kind of relentlessly grim. And I think after a while, you need something else in a TV show. I just don't think it'll work the same way. But well, they're, they're different mediums, right? A monthly trade or even a weekly uh, comic is, is a different beast than, than a, a TV series, which is very different than a miniseries and different than a movie. So the different types of storytelling needs to happen. When you're welcoming them into your home every single week... If it, and, and when it's when you take away the remove of it being a drawing, it, when it's live people, there tends to, audiences tend to have problems with it being so relentlessly grim. When it's when there's that extra disconnect of it being a, a, something that you're reading as opposed to something that you're listening to, the, the people seem more accepting of, of harsher worlds. Yeah. Uh, now, to, to follow on from something Zach was saying, I, I have a similar feeling about how good this episode was and how it sort of throws other elements of the show into relief. Uh, I actually, I think it was just last week I was talking about how I think the show could really stand a, cull, a, a major cull of characters, and I kind of think this episode backs me up on that. I mean... <laughs> uh, um, That's not a good thing, though. I mean, basically... No, no, it, it's, it's, it's not... Um, but you know, I just like, I mean, it it is a good thing in that I was right and I like being right, but, um, (laughs) you know, I I, I mean, for instance, I mean, just the fact that this episode had no Andrea in it, you guys at the AV club, you grade, you use letter grades and I'm assuming that her absence just automatically earned the the episode, like at least a half letter grade up. Come on. Okay. But I feel so bad for the actress because 
Like, you, you know, the thing is, okay, so basically we all love this episode because it didn't feature all the characters and problems that a Walking Dead usually features on a weekly basis. That's not exactly a good sign, but I, I agree with Zach that um, it's true. Like, the problems are still there. We're just sort of avoiding them for a week. But I don't know if this is the sort of material that this showrunner wants to write into the episode. And it's not the first time he's done it. Like I said, he did it back in 18 miles out. Then that gives me hope because... This episode was brimming with great writing and great character character development. And also, I'm sorry, but Lenny James playing Morgan, I think out of all the performances we've seen throughout the whole entire run of The Walking Dead, he has by far the best performance. I thought he was amazing in Days Gone By, the very first episode, the premiere episode. And I thought he was amazing again last night. Uh, and I, I, and I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't necessarily want the character of Morgan James Jones to follow Rick and the group to the prison because that makes absolutely no sense. But I would like to see a character like this, an actor as good as this. And I guess what I'm leading to here is I just think we need to get rid of the governor, Andrea, and let's get some more Tyrese. <laughs> it's like, it's like I feel like the solution's right in front of us. It's He's there. His name is Tyrese. <laughs> what? Yeah, and he's played by Chad Coleman, who is a fantastic actor. Yeah, and like, you know, so far, like, it's been sort of disappointing. And and you know what? The thing is, a lot of times we get hate mail because, you know, we're critical on our, on our podcast, but it's because we love the show and we want it to, you know, be better. Uh, but the thing is, coming from someone like me, and I'm not going to spoil the comic book, but I'm just going to say that some of these characters are far more interesting in the comic book. So it's sort of disappointing when you see how a character like Michonne has been written into the first half of season three and what they've done with a guy like Tyrese and even with the governor. Because I'm telling you, it's far more interesting in the comic book. And, you know, that's a problem because it's there. Like, it, that should not be a problem. Developing these characters shouldn't be a problem because he did well in the comic book, you know. Right. But, yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, let's talk about one of the things that that this episode does right, uh, that you're already starting to hint at, Ricky, that uh, rather than talking about what it doesn't do and how that helps it, let's talk about what it yeah. what it does do. <laughs> and, and it finally gives us Michonne. I, though, I'm curious what you guys think about this. Personally, I feel like this, sort of like for me, how uh, Ava season one in Justified is not really the same character as Ava season three or, or even Daryl season one of the walking dead. And then Daryl season two and three just, it feels like they just kind of rewrote the character to make it more. You mean, yeah. You mean Merle? Oh no. I mean, I'm no, pretty sure means, I mean Daryl, uh, but it, I, I don't know. It's been too long since I saw the early seasons, but this Michonne does not feel like the Michonne of even a couple weeks back because she's far too easily talkative, but I don't care because I like this Michonne a hell of a lot better. You think I was going to let you go in there? I just think it's none of your business. You don't know me. You don't know my dad or I anyone. I came out here to help. You came out here for common interests. We have the same enemy, the same problem, and that's why you're here. That's it. This is important. I'm going to do this. And I know how I can. You can't stop me. I can't stop you. But you can't stop me from helping you. Hell yeah. She was amazing. I mean, this is the kind of character we want to see. I love how Rick takes comfort in Michonne at the end of the episode. And she turns to him. She's like, you see dead people, don't you? And he's like, yes. She's like, it's okay. I used to talk to my dead boyfriend. But it was, it was such like... 
it was the perfect way to resolve the whole Rick going crazy storyline. You know, well, because, if it's resolved, well, it doesn't yeah, matter. Which, which I'm hoping it is, although that would make it seem kind of pointless in retrospect, which also points to other problems. But anyway, but it was um, funny, like the, throwing in that edge of humor was a good way to address what a lot of people have had problems with. And again, you know, I hate to say this, but in the comic book, it, you know, Rick does sort of go crazy like in the show, but with Carl off away from the rest of the group and they quickly resolve it. And I hope to God they've quickly resolved it again with last night's episode. You, you can't have him stay crazy if he's going to still be the hero because they pretty much have him settled as the main character. At some point, if he stays crazy, he can't be the leader of the group anymore. And they're really intent on him being the leader of the group. Um, I, I just, I just really quick, I just wanted to say about Michonne that I think what helped her character in addition to the humor was a, a great choice. But we also got to understand why she was doing what she was doing. Because far too much of this season, she's just shown up. She's had a sword. We've kind of understood what she was kind of mad about. Like, well, the governor's kind of sketchy. I understand why she's upset. But she still was sort of a, a, a closed door. And in this episode, we literally we saw her list, hearing Carl and Rick's conversation, which was just hilariously like, okay, they, they don't even think that she can hear like three feet away. Um, <laughs> and yet and we saw that thought process. And she operated in a way that was both pragmatic which is the, really the key to her character. She is ruthlessly pragmatic, and that is a good thing to have in a character. That always makes somebody more likable. She's pragmatic, but there's also a warmth to her where she kind of feel like, well, this is the, the smart thing to do because she needs to stay with the prison group because she's trying to protect herself from the governor's group. Um, it also feels like, well, she kind of does kind of maybe like these people a little bit. Like, it, it's a great balance of giving her uh, uh, like a motivation, an understandable and relatable motivation. I need to convince these people not to throw me out combined with like a character beat where this is the way she chooses to do it which makes us like her more yeah well and i think especially in contrast and I, thinking about what kate was saying about how michonne has changed as a character in ways that the show can't really <laughs> account for yeah. um but, you know the this version of michonne that actually talks when it's useful and actually has things to say and, and contributes to a scene in a, in ways other than cutting things up with her sword uh, i think as great and sort of uh, imposing a screen presence as uh, Denai Guerrero has, this is just a way... Like, the, the, the show needs more characters that have senses of humor, that have a certain lightness of touch. So good when you gave her stuff to do. I mean, yeah. she, has been, she has been screwed earlier in the season. Like, she has been just glowering and staring for most of the time. And the actress just, just came to life. Like, she just was so much more complex. And just that... It just it's so much more interesting. Just that, like, little bit of humor. Little bit of humor and a little bit of understandable objective. And it just it makes her come to life. I'm sorry, post-apocalypse or not, the show de desperately needs things like humor because you can't you can't get away with, with a show like this without any. And you know what, Simon? I like being right, too. And this episode confirms that we have all been right throughout our review of season three while people were bitching at us because we were being critical. But clearly we were right because give Michonne a bit of dialogue, give her something to do, make her character interesting, do her justice, like the character in a comic book. And it's fantastic. Like, I'm sorry... The deadly, silent, unhelpful, I'm not willing to speak Michonne just doesn't make sense. Like the fact that she's not even uh, willing to, I don't know, help Andrea, for, for example, by just saying, I don't know, one sentence. Like, you know, it just didn't make any sense. And so finally her character is great. So we're all on the same page, it seems, this week. Um, yes. and, and that also might be, you know, like, like we said before, I haven't read the comic books at all. So maybe she's very different than the comic books. But that also strikes me as something that might work better in comics. But on TV, it, it 
it just doesn't. You need to have them, you know, speak or at least communicate something other than just that piercing stare from from out the pages. I actually think the single best thing that they that, that they have or most defining thing they give her this episode is her decision to take that cat sculpture because it says so much about her because it says that she thinks she's going to be staying somewhere where she's going to have a place to put a cat sculpture and that is yeah. not would not have been the case even last week so that says she has a lot of she's feeling pretty sure of herself that she's going to be allowed to stay there if she's taking that sculpture and you know what like we always sort of mention that like the actor who plays Carl I forget his name right now he's not the greatest actor in the world he's not uh, Chandler Riggs Chandler Riggs, he's not a bad actor. He's just not the greatest actor. The kid's also like 12 or whatever. So we're not going to compare him next to, say, someone like, um, like I don't know. I was gonna Andrew say, Lincoln. No, I was going to say Andrew Lincoln, but I, t- I take it back. Uh, Lenny James. Um, but like this is what this is a good way to build a character like Carl. Like put him in a situation where we follow him and just one person, like Michonne, for the majority of the episode because it allows those characters to, I don't know, let loose. It allows us to get to know them. It allows the other character to get to know that person. And there's, like, so many great character beats throughout this whole entire episode. And like I said so many times in a podcast before, I think that if there's one thing that The Walking Dead creators or showrunners or writers have had a problem in doing since the beginning of the series is they don't know how to balance so many characters in one episode. And I think they need to do more episodes like this. And Simon, last week you told me I was wrong, but I'm sorry, I think I'm right. I think we need more episodes like Clear, where you just follow a bunch of characters because following like 30 characters every week in one episode, there just isn't enough time to develop these people and for us to care about them. Strongly disagree. Watch Lost. It can be done. It just needs to be done well. That's what I was going to say is like the, the Walking Dead's ensemble really isn't that big. It's also not that clearly defined. And the thing about Lost, they had the flashbacks. Lost mm-hmm. had a fo- Lost, each episode of Lost had a focus. That's what this episode had. It had a focus, which we can also, I mean, it's partly attributable to the fact that it only had the, the four characters, but it had a point. At a beginning, middle, and end, there was an arc to it. Most episodes of The Walking Dead kind of muddle that. You have like, oh, well, we have sort of a thing we have to do. Let's yell at each other for a while. Ah, zombies! Okay, I'm going to yell. It's <laughs> crazy. Bang! End of episode. Well, but, it, but, like they, do, they do cliffhangers, but they don't have that art. You need those, that sense of focus. And the show really needs to find a way to define its characters, just come up with some device to make them, like, make them stand out individually. It just hasn't sound that way consistently yet but that's what i mean and kate last week that's exactly what i said i was like either episodes like this or flashback episodes because we've had a few episodes in season two where they view these flashbacks prior to the zombie apocalypse and and i think uh there was one episode in particular where it started and it ended with those flashbacks and and that was amazing and i've never seen loss but i mean if flashbacks you know is like you see here's the thing i don't want flashbacks wait i don't want flashbacks throughout the whole entire episode because i hate that I wouldn't mind a flashback at the beginning of the episode, like used as bookends, for example, and at the end of the episode, like something like Breaking Bad does, for example. But uh, I've never seen Lost, but does, didn't Lost have like 24 episodes in one season, whereas Walking Dead has like 13? Yeah, but the thing is, there are a lot of series that have really big ensemble casts that do it successfully that don't use flashbacks. There's Battlestar, there's West Wing, there's any number of shows that have ridiculous ensemble casts, but it, it all it comes down to the writing. It comes down to the specificity of each 
character. And when you have a bigger cast, you can't do things like what we've complained about this season with Andrea, where she, or over the course of the series, where she changes each week depending on what the plot needs her to do. And when we're complaining, saying that we like this episode because she wasn't in it, may I remind us all that we really liked her in the last episode. I thought she was great in the last episode. And if it's wow. that Andrea, I think it, the show can work. But the thing is, you can't betray your characters and have them change week to week if you want the audience to connect, especially with a larger cast. Okay, Kate, don't speak for Simon because you and I liked Andrea last week. Simon hated Andrea last week. Okay, uh, like me, Zach, were you, were you yearning for some action when she was in that sniper rifle site for a bit? <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel bad. I feel bad for because An- Andrea. Like I, I I made a joke about it in my review. Andrea, they, they're doing to Andrea what they did to um poor uh oh god is it Dale or Daryl the one who's dead Dale not, Dale not, yeah Dale who was my favorite character on the show for a little while and then all of a sudden he turned into the hectoring voice of reason because that was the only button they knew how to press. Now Andrea's basic job on the show is just to yell at people and be really disapproving of them at all the time. They can't think of anything else to do with her and just that whole. That whole, oh, it's mysterious. Is she going to stab the governor? Of course she's not going to stab the governor. Like, this is, <laughs> you, you have this whole episode where she goes back and forth. It means nothing. There's no core to her. But Her choice was pointless. But you know why I like Andrea? I hate and like Andrea because I've hated and liked Andrea since the very start because she always makes these stupid decisions. She's always causing problems. Like, for example, I always use this as the, the prime example. Uh, when she shot Shane back on the farm in early season two, because she was, <laughs> but that's that's the thing about her character. She's the kind of person that will drive you nuts in real life. And the thing about her character is, in a sense, she's consistent. She's consistent in being inconsistent because she's so batshit crazy that she does the stupidest things. Now, I don't necessarily want to lose Andrea because Andrea seems to like I don't know spark some life into into this like Walking Dead debate week after week. I don't like the decisions that they that she's making. I don't like the way they're specifically writing her character in, in season three. I would be okay if we keep Andrea around for season four, if, if, and only if, they actually do something good with her character for once. But this whole, like, but you know what? It's not just even Andrea's fault, because I'm sorry, the governor is not an interesting villain at yeah, all. Yeah, and, and screwed him up. Yeah. And he's missing this week, and he's also not missed. Yeah, but... Not he, at all. Uh, back to this episode, um, the whole entire exchange between Rick and Morgan, I really liked. Now, I'm not saying that it worked every single step of the way. Like, there was a few moments where I was like, okay, like, stop screaming, you're going to kill me or kill me or whatever. But there's, like, specifically one line in which Morgan tells Rick, he's like, you will be torn apart by bullets or teeth. So you're either going to be eaten alive or you're going to get shot. And he's referring to Rick going back to the prison because he's like, okay, if you're going back to the prison and it's such a, a, an oasis, if it's like a safe haven, why do you need so much ammunition? He's got a point. And that's what I've been saying for like weeks now. It's still a prison. You're living in a prison. The only person that seems to realize this is Daryl, who I believe last week says, look, this is a, a tomb. Like this is a graveyard. And, and that's what I loved about this episode also because Morgan doesn't, go off with Rick. I think in the hands of a lesser writer, they would have taken that character and brought him along with Rick to the prison. But it doesn't make sense for him to go to the prison. Like, why would he go to the prison to fight Rick's battle? You know, it's it's like, it just doesn't make any sense. So, like, little moments like that I absolutely loved in this episode. You found me last year in my front yard, Morgan. You and... You found me. You fed me. You told me what's happening. You saved me. 
My name is Rick Grimes. You know me. I'm not wearing a dead man's face. I gave you this. I said I'd turn it on every day at dawn so you could find me. That's what you said. I mean, I hadn't worked up to it yet, and then I did. On the roof, every morning for, for days, for weeks, me and my boy. And then, me, just static, though. Nothing but static, and then nothing but nothing. You weren't there. You were never there. I was. No, not when I tried. I mean, you said you would turn on your radio every day at dawn. You said that you would turn on your radio I every did. day at dawn, and you were not there. I, I also, speaking of the conversation with with Morgan, I, I thought it was terrific because it, it once again tried to get to some sort of deeper thematic material because he says. You know, good people and bad people die, the weak people survive. And at first glance, it's like, well, you know, you, you built this booby trap island for yourself, so I guess you're not that weak. But it kind of reveals what, what the whole kind of one of the things about the show is that anybody who tries to uh, save someone, anybody who tries to create this new community or fight back, or like, like tries to build a life outside of simply killing zombies all the time, is, is going to die. Like that's what it's, that's kind of been the, the message so far. And, and just trying to, to retain your humanity through that, which it's, it's just really interesting because Morgan can't, one of the reasons Morgan can't go back to the prison isn't just because it's Rick's battle, it's because going back to the prison means he'd have to care about people again. Yep. And basically, he's putting him in a situation where he could lose another Dwayne, uh, or, or another situation where he'd have to, he might have to kill someone who got turned into a zombie and he can't do it again. And like that to me is, is an interesting, it at least, it, it still doesn't offer us a, a reasonable solution for an ongoing series because, you know, if the moral is if you do anything, you die, that, that's going to get old after a couple of seasons. But at least it gives us something more interesting to think about than just, wait, okay, who's going over to Woodbury this week? Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but the whole theme of the weak shall inherit the earth doesn't really ring true at the end of the episode when the poor hitchhiker is eaten alive. Uh, but I love the, the, uh, the fact that they inject that, that sequence with the hitchhiker at the start and at the end of the episode. I was pretty sure that they were, were, he, they were never going to pick this guy up and he was going to die because I think the whole point of the episode is we have two characters that started off the series, Rick and Morgan. We've seen Rick every step of the way we haven't seen Morgan in like almost two years. It's been actually, it's been exactly 30 episodes since we've last seen Morgan, but they both have sort of in their own way gone crazy and they've gone through hell and we don't need to see what happened to Morgan. We can totally understand why the guy is the way he is. And I think it's really interesting because back, you know, when the series started, Rick would have stopped to pick up the hitchhiker fast forward 30 episodes a few years later and Rick won't, won't stop to pick up the hitchhiker. But with that being said, the hitchhiker who I would assume would be the weak does get eaten alive by a bunch of zombies at the side of the road. So see, I was expecting him to pick up the hitchhiker on the way back. That's where I thought that was going after his conversation <laughs> no, with Morgan. Well, I mean, oh, if, no, no, but no, no. Guys, the, the if he had been alive, difference. if he had been alive, would, would Rick have picked him up on the way back? I don't think so because no. because if you look at Rick's uh, expression, like the way he uh, 
the way the camera captures his expression when he notices that the guy's on the side of the roads, it's I didn't see any regret or remorse. And just the fact that they had that shot where the car slowly backs up and they just grab the guy's knapsack, I was like, no, these people would not pick up the hitchhiker. I'm sorry. Not right now. Uh, there's too much going on at the prison for them to just trust a, a new outsider. Yeah, I suppose. Um, the uh, One of the things that I really appreciate about this episode, and it's something that's been sort of bothering me for much of the run of the series, the number of times that we see them just walk past a walker that they could easily dispatch with little to no risk, and they don't, has been really confusing to me, as in, why would you not just... The, the best thing that can possibly happen is it happens to not eat somebody. The, I mean, obviously, it just it seems very strange to me that there is less of an interest from, from everybody involved <laughs> with the characters in the show of taking out walkers if it's there's no risk. And so it was nice to see that addressed f- from Morgan's perspective, where he's just his goal in life is just to kill as many of them as he can. Is, is, has that been bothering anybody else? Why... Rick and these other uh, people are fine just leaving a walker go when it, there's little risk to them and not thinking, hey, maybe he'll come back the next day and eat me. No, I've, I've mentioned this several times on a podcast. Yeah, it's stupid. You should kill off the walker if you have a chance to kill off a walker because you never know who that walker will bite in the future. And I'm wondering if they're going to start doing this from now on because the episode's basically called Clear for a reason because he's trying to like get rid of all these bodies and burning them alive. Uh, I'm I, Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, if if I was in that situation, I had a katana sword, I would, you know, right away chop off the zombie's head because there's no point in having the zombie, like, stay alive. Did anybody else notice that Michonne had a crossbow on the way back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. There's no way she's trading in her katana sword for a crossbow. I'm sure she's going to give it to Daryl. Oh, actually, there's something about, about Carl. You can talk about the fact that Carl has is a, been a killing machine. That's how they solve the incompetent Carl problem, by making him into a killing machine which is more interesting but also problematic, and the fact that they actually made him a kid again at the end of the episode, which was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just the fact that he apologizes to, uh, to Morgan, and then Morgan's like, don't ever be sorry, which is just a really sad moment, but that he's very, all of a sudden he goes from this, I am, I am too cool for school, I'm constantly like, I, I just, we have to kill anything that gets in our way, to, oh, I shot a nice man. Oh, 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 geez. It's I, a really nice... I, hey, mister. I, I, I still have problems with, uh, with Carl on a performance level, I have to I have to admit, like I, he, he get, he's getting a little better over time, but yeah, especially compared to some of the other performances in this episode, it was a little bit glaring for me. Yeah, but guys, uh, th- like I mean, the thing is, is he actually killing people? He's never actually killed anyone, unless if he killed Lori, which I'm still confused about. But I mean, um, he shot him on the side, and I'm not sure. Like I don't think he intended on even killing the guy, even though he was a threat. I think he was aiming for center of mass, though. Well, yeah, he, I don't think he's a good enough good enough shot to have been trying not. I, I think the point is less that I don't think he's an actual like serial killer yet, but I think the point <laughs> is more that he he's a kid who's running around with a gun who is very aggressive about the fact that he has that gun and seems very determined to be a grown up completely, and that's kind of unsettling. Did anybody else love that we got sort of? It almost felt a little meta. The uh, the Carl uh, where's the where's Carl <laughs> with uh, with with Michonne. Where she just barely catches the, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty great. Yeah, I would agree. Actually, I would agree with Zach. Simon actually disagree. I I was surprised to find myself really engaging with Carl this week. Because normally, as we've said before, 
what works best for me is when they give him emotion to show or they they more they they use him but they don't necessarily give him long especially long stretches of dialogue and maybe that's one of the things that this one of the reasons it worked for me this week is that he didn't really have speeches or you know big he, big uh lengthy monologues or anything he was more just you know interacting um in, in in smaller batches of dialogue but i actually really bought the performance and uh and was uh, very much engaging with with carl this week ricky what, what about you yeah i mean i already mentioned that I, I like carl every week i say i like carl he's a cute kid i would like to have like a son like that where i don't have to worry about where he's running off to because he never gets hurt <laughs> you know somehow he he manages to step over like all the booby trap wires but no problem hey he's an easy kid to like handle uh he's kind of cool with his little cowboy hat not the best actor in the world uh, I don't think he's like crazy as like his dad. I don't think he's really a killer. I think I honestly do think he has a good aim, has proven in previous episodes, and I don't think he aimed to kill the man. He it'll be interesting to see Carl in a situation where he really has to kill somebody. Because um, I'm wondering if he's going to be able to pull the trigger. Because the reason why I bring this up is because in this episode, Morgan talks about how his, how how Dwayne wasn't able to pull the trigger on his mom, who was a zombie, and therefore he got eaten. Now. With, with Carl, I'm assuming that Carl pulled the trigger on Lori and therefore she yes. died. But again, we don't know because it was off screen, which I'm okay with never knowing. And, you know, I don't need an answer or resolution. You know, I'll leave it at that. I think that was amazing that they didn't actually show it. And, you know, we can debate till the cows come home. Did he actually shoot Lori in the head? He did. Uh, but back to Michonne. <laughs> I don't well, know. It's because I'd be so angry if they brought zombie Lori back. That would just... That would be so annoying. That's yeah. why I, I want it to be the case. They can, right they can only bring in Zombie Laurie if the show wants to start a sitcom phase. Because I oh, would totally do that. But, uh, but, back, but... Back, to, back to Michonne, I just want to mention two things. First of all, she had one of the best lines of dialogue in the episode where Rick's like, you think he's crazy? And she's like, no, I think he's dangerous. <laughs> oh, I, I thought her best line was, uh, well, it did say welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When she starts eating the food. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and oh, my also, God, The Walking Dead cracked a funny. No, not not only that, but throughout the whole entire episode, like when she tells Carl not to move and just to wait at the door and then she goes away for like, what, two seconds and comes back and she's got like the cat and the picture. I'm like, does she have superpowers? Like, how did she do that so fast? But it didn't bug me because I thought it was funny. And did anybody notice the jump cut? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm sorry. I can use more jump cuts because I know a lot of people in the internet was like, there's something wrong with the, the like my cable. I'm like, no, dude. That was on, it, done on purpose. Yeah, but it felt really jarring. I don't know because no. if they want to use some of those, that's great. But then commit to it, I guess. But a, a jump uh, cut. A jump it, cut. It, it, yeah, I was also wondering if something had glitched because it seemed uh, a little confusing to me. I yeah, but it's a jump cut. It's supposed to be jarring. I, I thought it was great. It wasn't like it was during a crucial or critical moment of the episode. So, uh, yeah, Michelle with superpowers, pretty awesome. Uh, I'm not sure what she's going to do with that cat. You know, like the cat sculpture statue thingy. Maybe uh, maybe she's gonna beat the governor to death with it. Maybe she's not planning to decorate. You know what's gonna happen? That would make now? it even more beautiful. They're gonna start selling that cat statue thingy thingy in like all the WalMarts across the United States and America. It's gonna be like the number one selling product. They're gonna make millions off that. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now I know why Sound Outside isn't making any money. Oh. Why? <laughs> no, just not enough colorful cat things. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, anything else we we feel we we the need to mention before we wrap things up? Does anybody know who Aaron is? Aaron was a zombie. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah she had yeah. she had the yeah, bracelet, so, but well, I don't think I don't think she'll actually come back again. I think she, like, like that was all we got was you know 
that little story that was awful. Oh, okay, because there was a sign in the background that said, Aaron, we tried for Stone Mountain, and then we saw the bracelet, but I was just wondering, like, if she was connected with a character, and I was just no, missing something. No, so. no, she was just Aaron, and she's totally dead. Well, she, well, Aaron, Aaron has more character development than guys like T-Dog, so good for her, even though we never <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got an Oscar shout-out this week. Oh, yes, what? we did, after we got, uh, what was it, two T-Dog mentions last week? Yeah. yeah. They, are, they are really laying that on thick. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> They need Thanks to never, oh. never do that again. All right. Uh, so, if only they um, cared this much about the characters while they were alive. Yeah, they might have gotten something to do. So, uh, I guess uh, any anything else? What, what are we hoping for out of the? I mean, there's what? Uh, there's four episodes left. Five. There's four. Four. Yeah. Uh, so, what are, what are we hoping for out of what remains? We're hoping a few characters will die and they'll finally leave the prison and go somewhere more interesting. Uh, I'm I'm hoping actually. Uh, I mean, I guess it's it's season away, but. I'm hoping that whatever the shape of next season is, I'm hoping it isn't just let's take everyone to a new location and hole up here for a season because yeah. that's yeah. getting old. Uh, yeah, I can I can do it a few episodes with them on, on the road, actually. And Zach, have you read the actual comic book? I read the first com- the, the, the compendium, which I think was like the first 50 issues or something. Right. Up okay. until the, the end of the prison arc. Well, because a, a lot of people have been really, a lot of people were really excited about the fact that they were like including Woodbury in the prison. And um, again, I'm a, I'm a, look, I, 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 there's only been two episodes I've disliked, and I think that's fair. You know, I'm not gonna like every single episode. I've been a pretty big fan of season three, at least the first half of season three. No, actually, you know, I've been a pretty big fan of season three. Period. Um, I do, I do agree that you know this whole Andrea Governor thing needs to be resolved and resolved quick. So I hope that gets resolved next week. I didn't see, like, I never watch a sneak peek preview thing at the end of each episode, so I don't know what they're gonna do. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, um, I'm hoping that they kill off a few characters that no one cares about, and you know, we get and people like T Dog get more screen time. Because, like, I'm sorry, like, well, not I, anymore. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> Here's where we buried him. Let's just enjoy Let's that. Just dig for a him while. up, Matt. You know what I want to see, honestly, and I'm not joking around. I want to see Carol beat the living crap out of Andrea. That's what I want to see. I want. I want her to slap her around and wake her up. That would be amazing. <laughs> it would. It would. Come on. I I would hope for more character. I actually don't want them. I don't care about them leaving the prison. I would rather they didn't leave the prison because it's just gotten very repetitive. The structure of, you know, start it, start it, you know, leave, have a location destroyed at the end of the season and go to a new one. So first we got to get to the CDC and then we blow up the CDC and we go find the next location. We get to the farm, we blow up the, the farm, the farm, we blow up the farm. We, you know, so I, I would actually really prefer that they just stayed at the prison, had the conflict with Woodbury governor gets killed. Like we all know is going to happen. And then that, to see them actually stay somewhere for a while and see what that show could be. If it's not the, you know, the exact same story over and over again, do I think that's going to happen? No, um, but uh, mind you, if it they, would be kind of nice, if they manage to blow up the entire prison, I'll be really impressed. No, you see, I, I totally disagree, Kate. I'm sorry, because back in season two, y'all were complaining that they were, like, stuck on a farm and it wasn't going anywhere. I want to see them on the road. I don't want to see them get to, the, you know, the third or fourth location right away. But I would like to see at least the first half of season four on the road. You know what I mean? Not, like, stuck in a prison or Woodbury or, like, the farmhouse. Uh, but, you know, if they do stay in this, like, neighborhood, then why would you pick the prison over Woodbury? Like, it would only make sense if they actually stayed at Woodbury. 
it seems more defensible to me and it feels more realistic honestly than uh playing house in woodbury and my problem with the farm wasn't the fact that they were staying somewhere it was the fact that it was consistently we're we're about to leave we promise we'll leave we're just gonna stretch it out longer so i i don't know i just i think seeing these people on the road would get it would be has a lot more potential for action it could be interesting but if you can only have that same story so many times of drive up to a new place, you know, look for stuff, kill a bunch of zombies, somebody gets bit, we kill them. You know, I don't know how much story they're going to get out of just being on the road. The way that they skipped forward some time at the beginning of this season, I, w- I think could be really beneficial for them to kind of have them have been on the road for a while. Have, you know, I don't know. Well, I guess we sh- I should probably wait till the end of the season, see how things fall out before predicting what would be next for next next season but you, but you know that that brings up the problem of what kind of stories can the walking dead tell on like yeah. on a long-term basis like what are the possibilities of long-term storytelling in a post-apocalyptic wasteland like this like what are the options well there's a love story between carl and the girl that sings <laughs> beth her name is <laughs> every, every episode she would sing to carl um, I don't know. They can start a rock band. Like, ah, oh, man. You know, I, I have a question for all y'all. Okay, so remember uh, the episode in which the governor and his henchmen raided the prison, and the res- there was a wrestler named Edge. I don't know if you guys watch wrestling, and he was, like, on the tower, and he was, like, a sniper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, first of all, I'm confused how he got on the tower, but it doesn't matter. Um, that guy... They shot him. They killed him. So th- wouldn't that guy turn into a zombie? Like, wouldn't we have zombie Edge running around the prison right now? Yes, we should. Unless oh, he's that... stuck in the tower. Well, that, that's the thing. That's, that's, I'm still confused about the rules of The Walking Dead. Like, when do people come back? Like, when do people turn into zombies? Like, we know they turn into zombies if they get bit. If they, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm fine assuming that they katanaed him in between episodes. Yeah, personally, you think they climbed up the tower and and like cleaned up, like they got rid of the body or chopped off his head or something. It's yeah, entirely otherwise like he could it. just fall down and then go eat them. Yeah, okay, so. I, I'm just I'm still confused about the rules of The Walking Dead. Like, I, you know, it, it just seems like in the comic book it was clear what was what, and in the show I don't know if they've really like solidly established what the rules are. Like, when do people come back? Does everybody come back? Because that's what I, from my yeah, they've like, established that. I mean, there there was the character that in Woodbury, the, the old man who was dying of some disease that that Milton was going to test, and he came back from the dead. Pretty much, and I think if I think if you had some sort of major head trauma or if your head got cut off when you died, you wouldn't come back. But otherwise, you, you're going to come back if you die. I think that's pretty much solid on the show. Yeah, yeah. if your head got cut off. Your head will come back, but the rest of you won't. Right, like, but, but did, did he get shot in the head? Because I don't remember him getting shot in the head. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Okay. All right. uh, well, okay. So, off with the head. Anyway, so that, that wraps Andrea. things up for us this week. Uh, Zach, we can find your work on the AV Club anywhere else? Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Z Handlin. Then that's about it for right, right now. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sucker Howell, and I, of course, write for Sound on Sight as well. I'm also the co-host of the TV podcast that... Kate invented. It's called the Televerse. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter the te- uh, at the Televerse. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sound on Sight, and you can easily have access to all the updates, have everything that's happening on soundonsight.org. And of course, if you like our Walking Dead podcast, you really, really must tune into our Sorted Cinema podcast, in which we talk about really kick-ass, obscure 
horror films, cult films, and stuff that you would like if you like The Walking Dead. You can find everything at www.sentencesite.org. The iTunes feeds are at the bottom of the website. Please give us a rating once again. Independently owned, independently run website. You know, we don't have money for advertising. We don't have money, period. We don't have money to eat. So, <laughs> I, we're, we're you know starving. What's sad is I actually don't right now. Right. Anyway, <laughs> we. So but, give uh, us a rating on iTunes, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Zach, for joining us, and we'll be thank back. Thank you for having next. me. We'll be back next week, and I think next week we're going to have an, a guest, uh, I believe Randy, who writes reviews for us of The Americans, Arrow, and a few other kick-ass shows will be joining us. Uh, so that's it. Excellent. Thank you for listening. Now when I was a little boy At the age of five I had something in my pocket Keeps a lot of folks alive Now I'm a man Of 21 You know, baby We can have a lot of fun I'm a man